Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to thank you for joining us. We've made it to episode 40. Thank you uh, so much for listening. Uh, thank you for sharing on iTunes, on Stitcher with your friends, your family, your neighbors. Uh, also, thank you for visiting our website, agentsofinnovation.org. And also, uh, thank you for going to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, which, as you know, are all linked from the website. Uh, you can also, on the website, find all the archives of all previous 39 episodes, plus this one, episode 40, uh, with a, an accompanying uh, b- uh, blog post for each episode. Uh, so um, you can read all about all of our various guests, the many entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists that really inhabit uh, this space uh, in America and beyond, uh, uh, really innovating uh, for us and for our culture and moving uh, moving us forward uh, as a society. So thank you so much for all to all of our guests. Uh, and we have a great one here on episode 40, my friend John Morris, uh, who is the founder of wheelchairtravel.org. We had the uh, conversation in an interesting location, uh, so hopefully you will enjoy it. And uh, I think it was uh, one of the best uh, uh, conversations I've had with anyone, and we've had a lot of great ones, as you know. So uh, thank you again for listening. At the end of this episode, we're also going to feature a song from Matt Hires. Matt was on a previous episode of ours, and you've heard us play a few of his songs now over time. Uh, the song is called Begin Again. And, uh, you know, many of us just celebrated Easter, and Easter and spring is a time to begin again. And so uh, we uh, thought that would be appropriate, and also thought it would go nicely with uh, John Morris's story, uh, as you'll hear, uh, that he began again, a new uh, venture in life. And so uh, I thought uh, you might like to listen to Matt Heyer's song, Begin Again, after this uh, interview with John Morris. So thank you again for listening to the Agents of Innovation podcast, and let's get to this episode. Well, I'm sitting here with John Morris, my good friend, who uh, is the founder and owner of wheelchairtravel.org and um, I hope it's not too loud for you listeners because we are actually sitting here at the Corona Cigar Company uh, that's a sponsorship opportunity if anyone's listening um, at uh, in downtown Orlando and it's, uh, it's quite busy here we've been sitting here smoking some cigars having a drink or two and um, we decided to go ahead and record this podcast uh, and so, John, welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Thank you, Francisco. It's a pleasure to be here with you this evening, and uh, the cigars have been lovely. Well, great. Um, I forget what I was smoking here, but uh, it was recommended by the by the locals, uh, if you will. And um, and anyway, um, it's been a, it's been a very good evening. Um, and uh, anyway, John, I don't know. We were we were actually discussing um, before we started recording here. Uh, how long we've known each other. It's got to be about a good eight, maybe nine years now. Uh, so I was living in Tallahassee, and John was attending Florida State University. And I got to know him when I was at the James Madison Institute. And um, he was uh, 
one of the organizers of one of the local uh, clubs on campus. Let's just keep it at that to stay non-political here. And uh, we got to know each other. Um, and he and I actually both are history majors, right? That's correct. I uh, studied uh, history in undergrad and in graduate school at Florida State, so go Knowles. That's one thing we don't have in common, but uh, uh, he's a big Florida State fan, and uh, that's fine. I respect that. I grew up in, ta- I, I grew up, grew up in South Florida as a Hurricanes fan, and, uh, and he, he, and I, but I lived in Tallahassee for a year, so I was surrounded by FSU Knowles like John, so not really that, that odd for me. Absolutely. I, uh, I love my university, but I respect yours as well. I'm very sad, though, that the University of Maryland left the ACC. Uh, that makes two of us. I actually was not happy when um, Miami joined the ACC so they would compete with Maryland. Uh, but then Maryland has now left the ACC for the Big Ten, so it's, it's, it's sad all around. Absolutely. Well, John, um, you know, when I first met you, uh, the first few years I knew you, you were not in a wheelchair. Uh, you, um, and now, you know, um, I guess we'll go to your story here, but uh, you now run a company uh, that is all focused on wheelchair travel. Can you tell us a little bit about wheelchair travel? Absolutely. Um, you know, when I, when I had my car accident. Well, you know what, maybe, should we start with this? Uh, so what year was your car accident? It was in 2012. Uh, I was traveling uh, back to see my family in Florida. From and where? I was traveling from St. Louis, actually. So it was a long drive. Uh, I don't want to necessarily get into the particulars of the accident itself, but the end result was, uh, you know, I became a triple amputee. Fortunately, I was left with my left hand, uh, which is my dominant hand, and so I'm still able to write legibly. I think that's important. Yeah, that's great. My dad's left-handed, and I know any left-handed person I know uh, says left-handed people are actually like, you know, I don't know, higher talent or something. Well, we're supposed to be smarter. I don't know. I'll take that honor, though. but, you know, after my car accident, they told me that I would never travel again. And that's a passion that I had had throughout my life. My family and I had traveled uh, throughout my youth. And uh, in college and in grad school, I was taking weekend trips to faraway places. And, uh, you know, I felt like it was a... Uh, you know, I just felt as though I should be able to travel again. And it was actually... Uh, about a year and a half after my car accident that, that I took my first trip with the wheelchair and uh, that was a, a very transformative experience. You know it's interesting because again going back to the time I knew you before your accident um, anybody that has known John for that long uh, or longer knows you are quite the traveler you are always the traveler i and anybody that knows me knows i am very well traveled i think i've been to uh, about 18 countries now in my life and um but if you were to compare me to you it's like i sit at home in a cave because you're just everywhere and i would remember you know uh you know being facebook friends with you and you would be like traveling like you would always check in on Facebook everywhere you landed and I remember this one specific time you know you're very obsessive about getting 
all the like possible travel points equaling rewards flight status you know like george clooney up in the air uh trying to get the like maximum delta gold whatever status there's are uh and i remember this one trip you took it was like ridiculous i just remember that one point you ended up in puerto rico but you're traveling and you're and i'm and, and you and i see you land no, i was living in tallahassee at the time and you land in atlanta and you know atlanta's always like the next stop before tallahassee so i'm like okay ju- after these like seven or eight legs he just did like you were in alaska and you were so i don't know where you were you're all these places finally you're like atlanta. i'm like okay john's almost home you know i've all of a sudden like atlanta to orlando orlando to puerto rico and i'm like what are you doing are you going to puerto rico now and then all of a sudden it's like puerto rico back to orlando or okay he's almost uh, oh no and then he goes somewhere else so it's like what are you doing john so anyway I say all that because like you're like a huge traveler. You go to a lot of places, but you also just love planes and you like being in them and you like just being on the go and collecting on your rewards points. So then this accident happens and you know you were driving, which is like part of me was when I saw this whole thing and I was like, well, this is weird. He like never drives. Uh, and so I guess in this accident, but you know, um, there was a period afterwards. I know you, um, you did not amputate your legs or anything at that point you were you were really fighting through and really you being alive was just a miracle coming through that and we all said many prayers for you and and I know there was there was a lot of people uh, helping you and everything but you know what was it a year and a half you said that you decided on going ahead and and, uh, and amputating the legs and then you go on this trip and where was the trip to so the trip was to Los Angeles, actually Pasadena, California, uh, was the final destination. My university was playing in the national championship game, which, you know, I understand that Miami hasn't been to in quite some time. Yet we still have more national championships in FSU, but we'll digress. <laughs> you know, I, I had always told myself that if Florida State made it to the national championship game I would go and it just so happened that they did in January of 2014 and that was six weeks after I'd had my legs amputated Um, so I was still in bandages but I I made it to the game with the support of my sister who I'm I'm so grateful for my family was a a a true support system for me after the accident uh, which I'm grateful for and uh, made it to the game and uh, they won, so they were the national champions uh, for a year. Yeah, that was that was actually an amazing game. I remember watching that, and I don't know what was more amazing: watching FSU actually like pull out this incredible win, or going to my Facebook page and seeing John Morris six weeks after amputating his legs there in his wheelchair at wrote the Rose Bowl and it was just a very moving thing to see to be honest with you it was very inspiring you inspired a lot of people I think um, but uh, it was great to see you there um, and 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 I think the average person like myself especially people who knew you what the heck how did this happen how did he get there what is he doing there his passion for travel will not die and uh, but then you surprised us again and uh, let's continue the story Yeah, so my next trip actually uh, was to Washington, D.C. for the March for Life. Um, I'm a very strong Catholic and believe in the right to life. Uh, 
so I, I went to DC to march with some of my friends from the Catholic Student Union and uh, after that I, I'm not sure what the next destination was after that but I think one of the most exciting ones for me was was only a few months thereafter I went to Beijing China uh, and sat atop the Great Wall on my wheelchair and uh, that was uh, that was a moment that I'll, that I'll never forget because I felt like I had conquered something that at you know just a few months before it seemed unconquerable and that was 2014 it was it was April of 2014 I was sitting on the Great Wall of China and I was surrounded by this incredible culture and history and uh, I actually didn't meet another wheelchair user there who had saved all of his life he was a, a Chinese uh, man who had saved all of his life to make it to the Great Wall because it really is um, sort of one of those journeys that that the Chinese people are um, so dedicated to making at some point in their lives and and this man had waited a long time to do it and um, we conversed for a time through a translator actually and uh, you know I was just inspired by the power of travel and what it means to people all around the world um, it, it really uh, travel creates so many opportunities and connections and that's something that I've always been passionate about. And it, it just made me realize the importance of that in our societies all around the world. You know, it's, it's interesting because a, about a year before you went to China, my brother and I went to China and we went to the Great Wall of China. And, you know, I remember when we were there, me and my brother Antonio Gonzalez, uh, halfway around the world right I mean it's halfway it's exactly 12 time zones away and 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 just being in China we were in China for for 12 days and this was near the end of our trip maybe nine days into it or so and my brother and I were on the wall and we were I remember we drank a beer on the wall and uh, we said I don't know who said to who but we said the Gonzalez's have made it to the Great Wall of China and we were just so, I mean, it's, you're right. It's such a, it's such a like iconic place. Is it, is it a man-made natural wonder? I don't know what they call it, but it's, um, it's an iconic place. There was a, there was an old fable that said you could see it from space. I'm not sure that's true, but, um, but still it's such a, such a magnificent place. Uh, maybe our president would envy it, uh, cause it's such a grand wall, but no, but seriously, um, it's, uh, it's a great place, so I can't imagine, John, because I was there, and I know the steps you go up and the steps you go down and up and down and all that stuff, but I, can't, I don't even know how you made it up to the Great Wall of China. How, how was that in a wheelchair? So, and by the way, I, let me also say, I remember when you made it there, because not only did you go there, which is like, how did John Morris get to China? One. Two. How did he get to the Great Wall of China? Three. Why is he wearing a Duck Dynasty uh, mask or beard or whatever so I remember you wearing this like Duck Dynasty when it was like all the rage uh, beard and you're on that Great Wall of China but tell me though how how did you make it up there so uh, first off let me say I, I've only seen one or two episodes of Duck Dynasty in my life but I just so happened about a week before I left for China 
to be in a Walmart that had these Duck Dynasty beards on sale. And I purchased one for about $5. I have no idea which character's beard I was wearing, but I thought that it would be so awesome to wear this Duck Dynasty beard on the wall, the Great Wall of China, if I did actually make it there. And, you know, interestingly enough, I was only in China on that first trip for three days. And I, I booked a short trip because I wasn't certain uh, about accessibility there. I, I wasn't even sure that I would be able to get from, my, from the airport to my hotel and, and much less to the Great Wall itself. And I really went in blind to that trip, which in, in and of itself is an adventure. Um, and, and, and let me just pause here because anybody who's been to China no, okay. This is a communist country. Like they've obviously opened up a lot to the world. If you if you go to places like Beijing or Shanghai, you just see all sorts of brand names. And you and I, mean, I literally said to my brother, I think the second day we were in China, which was in Shanghai, I said, "Hey, capitalism is clearly won. Like because this place is open to the world right now as far as products and markets and all this stuff." But the one thing when you think about a free country and a very progressive country in a sense like like the United States we have a lot of accessibility for people in wheelchairs although yet we could still be very critical as I know you probably can be uh, to, to things that are not accessible to us but like a lot of foreign a lot of other countries are not there and China is is, is probably pretty far from there so so in my in my thoughts, when I see this, like I'm, I'm, you know, I see you, and I know, like we were just there. Like I know a lot of these tourist sites do not have the kind of accessibility um, for for people with disabilities, um, and and much less the Great Wall of China, one of these like ancient places. So I just all I just want our, our listeners to think about all of that in, in, a, in a real um, monumental step. And then I see you at the Great Wall of China. I'm thinking to myself, how the heck? Did this guy get on the wall? So, so continue your story, John. So, what made the Great Wall accessible was actually, I think it was 2008, the Olympics. And so, the government there realized that they would have to make their greatest wonder accessible to people with disabilities and the Paralympians who are traveling there. And I think that... that you know, on the topic of communism, one of the ways in creating a free society and a free market is connecting your populace to the world and giving them an opportunity to see the great things that are happening all around the world, whether it's in the United States or Australia or in Europe. Uh, there are, are so many wonderful things that are brought about by capitalist societies and uh, you know china had to open itself to some degree to those values and giving people uh the freedoms to pursue their dreams and opportunities um that, that might not have been available in a closed society that's that's really great well that's that's interesting that it took something like the olympics in 2008 to really open them up to that so what was it like when you got there i mean i'm just curious like because i took let me think about it. my brother and i we took a little like um and i know there's different entrances and different places you can get to the wall we were in mutin mutinayu if i say that correctly um i know there's other places you can get to but uh, 
we went up a little a little lift, like a like a little skyway type lift. It wasn't quite a ski lift, I think. I think it was. I think it might have been an enclosed cabin. I can't remember. Um, and then down, we actually went on a little toboggan ride, uh, which certainly you can't do in a wheelchair. So, but there was another area where you can go down a lift in like a skyway type cabin. So how did how did you get up and down? So I had read about Mutant uh, Yahoo or something like that that you just mentioned. Um, but I felt that the safer alternative was Bataling, which is the one that is closest uh, to the city of Beijing itself. And I think it's where more tourists go to, right? Absolutely. It's uh, closer. The taxi ride is cheaper. Uh, the view is not as great, but... Not, not to mention, you, you've actually got to go in an ADA accessible vehicle, right? I did. Interestingly uh, enough, um, Beijing does have uh, the taxi cabs that are in London. And in fact, London is the most, one of the most progressive cities in the world when it comes to accessibility because all of the London black cabs um, they look a little funny, but every single one of them has a wheelchair accessible ramp. And uh, there are a certain number of those in Beijing which create accessibility for wheelchair users like myself. Um, and I was able to take one of those to the Great Wall. I had an excellent driver. And at that bottling site, uh, there was actually a ramp that had been built to accommodate wheelchairs. Now you could only see a certain portion of the wall and only access a certain portion, but I was on the Great Wall of China, and, and quite frankly, at the time, that's all that mattered to me. Oh yeah, no, I mean it's it's a magnificent place. So John, so those, these are some of your first few trips. You know, the Rose Bowl, Pasadena, California, Washington D.C. for the March for Life, uh, the Great Wall of China. I mean, halfway around the world. Um, tell me then, uh, what were some of your next steps in some of your adventures and, and how you, it led you to create wheelchairtravel.org? So I took many more trips to Asia and visiting cities like Seoul and Korea and Hong Kong, which is uh, part of China but independent in a lot of respects. And uh, actually the following year, 2014, uh, well, actually, later that year, I'm sorry, uh, in 2014, I was in Hong Kong during the Umbrella Movement protests where people uh, yearning for freedom, young people primarily, had taken to the streets in the financial district and elsewhere to protest uh, for freedom and the right to democracy and, and self-governance. And... Uh, you know, I started writing about accessibility in these Asian cities because there was virtually no information about access in these cities. And I created my website, wheelchairtravel.org, to, to share some of the knowledge that I was gaining from these trips to Asia and empowering people with disabilities all around the world to visit these cities that, that for a long time they had felt were inaccessible and off limits. And I'm so proud to say that that so many of my readers have been able to visit these far corners uh, of the world and, and traveling these 12 time zones. 
um, to visit, you know, places they never thought they would see in their entire lives. Uh, primarily because they have wheelchairs or other mobility uh, disabilities. And, and now, you know, for many people, they're seeing these places for the first time. That's really, really amazing. And I've, I followed, you know, some of your travel. It's hard to follow all of your travels because you're just everywhere. Um, but you, you blog about them at wheelchairtravel.org. And, uh, and then you've also seemed to have created uh, some interest, or, or maybe, maybe that's not the right way to say it. You, you've, uh, you've brought to the public uh, issues in accessibility uh, for people with disabilities and uh, and you know we, we, we all want to travel um, there's a lot of limits to travel right I mean first there's there's financial limits for all of us um, some some maybe not you know maybe maybe people have some independence when it comes to their finances and they can travel wherever but uh, for, for most people you know uh, financial considerations and time considerations um, are the, are the big, some of the biggest things to travel. And that's for those of us that are passionate about travel. There's a lot of people um, that will just, you know, be content staying home and doing whatever they want. Uh, I, think, I think the vast majority of Americans don't even own a passport. Um, but people like you and I, John, we share a passion for travel. We want to see new places. Maybe it's our interest in history, um, our interest in seeing natural wonders, just all sorts of things. Um, and so... Uh, you know, there, there are limits for people on how much we can travel, time, financial, whatever. When it comes to disabilities, it, it, it creates an extra, an extra uh, limit in some ways. And, and I think what uh, you and I share, we always shared a passion for, for freedom. And, and uh, I know you, you, you've explained this a little bit with your um, even just visualizing people in Hong Kong yearning for freedom in a place that's the most free place in China. Uh, it's not on the mainland in a sense. It's, a, it's sort of a free market zone in China. But uh, to want to say, hey, we, we want more freedom than we have. We look to places like the United States and Western Europe and others, and we want to have that same, not just, you know, we want economic freedom, we want political freedom, we want individual liberty, all these sorts of things. But individual liberty is something, um, uh, you know, that, that is maybe even limited to some extent in, in free countries by... Uh, you know, with people with disabilities even more. So uh, tell us about how you've been bringing to the public light issues uh, that might limit the, the travel uh, and accessibility of people with disabilities. I think one of the most important areas, and this is something that I was concerned about even visiting, you know, Beijing or, or many other cities around the world, is how do I get from the airport to my hotel or from the hotel to an attraction or... Here in the United States, how do I get from my home to the doctor? Or from you know my home to the city council meeting where I want to raise issues about you know issues uh, you know relating to accessibility. Um, transportation is one of the most disabling things in America. And you know, I'm a wheelchair user and I can't use Uber like my friends do. Uh, in the majority of cities. I, I recently tested it out. Uh, their Uber Wave platform, WAV, for wheelchair accessible vehicle. I tested that out in Washington, D.C., and it was great. 
but we have so many other uh, local governments who are not advocating on behalf of their citizens with disabilities. And so, uh, you know, we have to, to make a stand for ourselves and, and demand the type of equality uh, of access to, um, you know, the, the public sphere to society that our able-bodied peers do. And uh, I think, you know, the ability uh, for movement and the freedom of movement is a critical component of freedom as a whole in, in realizing our rights and, and taking advantage of the freedoms that we have uh, here in America or, or elsewhere in the world. That's great. Um, so what have been um, some of the, let's just say some of the, the biggest advancements that you've seen? Do you have any examples of some good, some good examples, uh, whether it be companies or countries or, or places that you've seen that have, are really uh, exceptional when it comes to uh, accessibility? So uh, in the last census, 2010, uh, the U.S. Census Bureau said that nearly 20% of Americans have a disability of some kind. And so those can be anything from mobility impairments to uh, intellectual disabilities or uh, emotional challenges. Uh, that, that can be measured on some type of scale. And a lot of people uh, in the United States obviously have a disability. A fifth of America has, has a disability. And so there's a growing opportunity now for businesses to respond to that opportunity uh, to, to gain customers who have uh, individual challenges. And so we have the ADA that that more so than a regulation is an outline for businesses uh, to pursue customers with disabilities and outlining precisely what their needs are to access a business, whether it be a, a wider door for a wheelchair user or uh, a seat in the bathtub for grandma um, to use who, who just can't stand in the shower. Uh, for, for an extended period of time. And, and these are all things that people are now considering when they make their way out into the world. Um, and, and there are so many opportunities for businesses um, to respond to these needs and to, to gain uh, traction within a, within a growing uh, customer base. You know, baby boomers are, 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 are retiring every single day now. And and their disabilities are mounting, and uh, there's such an opportunity to take advantage of that market. And, and I love seeing when businesses actually outreach to those customers. Well, uh, what, are also, what are also some of the most egregious things you've seen? Um, some things that could be improved you know, maybe you want to name an airline or maybe you want to name a hotel, but maybe you don't. Um, but what, what are some things that you've seen, just some examples that just strike you as, wow, like, I can't believe they're not up to date here. This is 2018. And, um, and I've, I've really seen some, uh, some things that have limited my travel uh, or, or limited my personal abilities while I'm traveling. Well, I won't get into the airlines because that's a that's a basically a powder keg. Um, 
but I think hotels, and I think this is interest industry wide. It's not. Uh, I couldn't name a, a particular hotel brand that is worse than another, but there's just not enough attention paid to ADA compliance or the needs of the disability marketplace. And I think there, you know, obviously I mentioned earlier the, the opportunity that exists there. Um, but I think one of the issues that I face so often is, you know, I'm a wheelchair user. I, I require a, a roll-in shower. I have no legs, so I can't stand in the, in the shower or the bathtub. And so I need a seat um, to utilize in those spaces. Uh, you know, everyone likes to take a shower in the morning. I think for the most part, we all like to, to feel clean and fresh. And, and I like to, I like to feel that way as well. And, you know, when I, when I check into a hotel with a roll-in shower, so often I'm finding where the, the shower seat is on the wall opposite the, the, the controls of the shower, um, and the, which I'm not able to reach when I'm sitting there. And, you know, I, I roll around in a power wheelchair, so I can't take that into the shower, and uh, I don't want to get electrocuted. Um, and, you know, I just... Well, I was going to say that's interesting because, like, somebody like me, I travel a lot. And every so often, you know, they, I'll just by chance, I'll get into a, uh, a room that, that is clearly uh, meant for somebody who's, uh, uh, you know, needs, has disabilities. Maybe they're in a wheelchair. They're handicapped in some way. Um, and so you're saying that sometimes even those rooms, it's just not, everything's not put together right. Like, like maybe, the, maybe the blueprints or something say, do it this way. There's a lot of space. There's a lot of openness. Somebody can get a wheelchair in here. But you're saying that the things aren't even on, on the wall the right way. Right. And, I, you know, it, it's a tragedy because the hotels have made the investment in the facilities. And when they're not up to the regulations, which have dis been designed with, you know, with the needs of, of, of the people who will take advantage of them in mind, um, we create a situation where the room is, is basically unusable um, uh, to the person with the disability and and there, there have been you know uh, you know when the when the built-in shower bench is on the wrong wall and I, and I can't access the water controls I you know I reach out to the you know the hotel management and I say can we can we do something can we get a you know a portable shower chair in here a, a bench of some kind that I can use and you know that'll work out in some cases, and in others it may not be secure enough for people to use. But in fact, one time, actually, uh, here in Florida, I had a I had one of those portable shower benches collapse underneath me, and I ended up on the floor of the shower, which is not uh, not an ideal situation for someone to be in. And so, you know, not only are our hotels uh, missing out on an opportunity to to create, you know, clientele that are loyal and, and, and long-lasting and take advantage of a market that is just growing substantially as people discover um, that they do have, in fact, an ability to travel, even with their, their physical challenges and disabilities. But they're creating situations where they, they, they maybe uh, have added liability that, that, that could have been avoided from the from the start. 
Well, John, that's that's really interesting, and I hope that you know um, what you're doing at wheelchairtravel.org. It seems some of the posts I've been reading, and I hope many people will visit your site at wheelchairtravel.org and see and follow it and follow. Uh, you know, I think I follow the Facebook page. I obviously I'm, we're friends on Facebook, but I uh, I think when you follow John on on Facebook. Um, It'll just be in your feed, right? It'll just be every day. You'll see, you know, not every day, but you know, from time to time, you'll see different different posts he has. And I've seen you call out specific uh, businesses. Um, sometimes you you also are complimentary because because there there are some that have been exceptional and they've gone out of their way to help you. Um, and uh, I think that's I think that's great that you're doing this uh, because it's how it's it's like you've discovered a um, you know a market, but also a purpose in. Um, in combining your travel uh, and your and and you've not you know the most inspiring thing to me about you, uh, other than your survival, uh, because that in that 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 horrific accident, right? I mean, I mean, just your survival of that was miraculous. I know we've we've talked about this before, um, and then all that you endured during that that year of that recovery, um, but but it's also that you didn't you didn't let a disability uh, uh, hinder your passion um, because you know I thought about that too I travel a lot who who knows what will happen to me in the rest of my life but I think uh, you know um, gosh you know like to, to think that 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 uh, that's so, some kind of accident or, or something could could hinder that, that 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 passion I have to travel uh, but you haven't even let that that hinder you you've gone you know I've been to 18 countries in my life I'm rough how old are you John I am 28 so I just turned the big 4-0 this year. So you're 12 years younger than me. You've been to how many countries? Uh, I've been to 30 in a wheelchair and 36 or 7 uh, in my entire life. So before, including before the wheelchair. So you're 12 years younger than me. For the last six years, you've had a disability. You've been paralyzed. You've had, you have, you're a triple amputee. And you've been to double the countries I've been to in my life. You've been to 30 countries in a wheelchair that's amazing um, probably most of our listeners have not been to as many countries even as me um, and uh, and most Americans don't even have a passport meaning they've never been anywhere and you have not let this hinder your passion to travel not to mention you've been to many places many times you've been to many states um, and uh, and so it's, it's really quite amazing and then on top of that, what's what's also inspiring is that you're going out of your way to say, I'm going to make not only, I'm not, I'm not going to let my, my, my passion of travel be hindered, but I'm going to go out of my way to start an organization that's going to try to help more people that might be in my situation, maybe worse, maybe not as worse, uh, who have disabilities to be able to uh, to have the freedom to travel so that that's not uh, a hindrance to them either. So it's been very inspiring to me to see. I hope I hope all of our listeners um, uh, follow you uh, on Facebook. They can go to Wheelchair Travel on Facebook, right? WheelchairTravel.org on the website. Check out your blog. Um, John, before we leave, because this is something, I recently read a book, and uh, if listeners listened to my last episode, I asked, this is the first time I asked a question this same question. I, I feel like I'm going to ask this maybe every episode. I'm inspired by one of my favorite U.S. Senators, Ben Sass. Uh, I read his book called The Vanishing American Adult, which everybody should read. 
But on top of that, he asked. A, he said he asked a question of every American he meets. Well, not every American he meets. That'd be ridiculous. But he asked a question of a lot of people he meets. What was your first job? And while you're thinking about that, what did you learn from it? So my first job was working for my father, who was a car salesman. A used car salesman, right? A used was, is it Was he slimy like we know? No. no, you don't have to answer that. Sorry, Dad. No, in, in fact, he offered 0% interest loans um, to people and was the only one who did that. And, and so I learned uh, honesty from my father and the importance of treating people well and also the value of connections and meeting people. Um, so many people that came into his car dealership were incredible salt-of-the-earth Americans. And, you know, I, I've taken that desire to meeting people with me all around the world. And I've met people of all different walks of life and situations and abilities. And I feel like my Rolodex of people I know is one of you know the most incredible in the world because I take a moment to listen to everyone and I think that that is maybe the most important lesson I've learned in my life is talking to people listening to them learning from their stories and experiences and hopefully in the end creating a friendship well, John, uh, I've hoped to take that inspiration with the Agents of Innovation podcast, connecting with people and uh, hearing their stories. And we've heard your story today, and it's very inspiring. And uh, I'm privileged to be your friend. And uh, I hope everybody visits your website, wheelchairtravel.org, and learns a little bit more about you. I know you're set up as an LLC right now. Um, and uh, uh, I know you're just you're really trying to get the word out. So any last thoughts before we uh, close this uh, episode out? I just think that uh, travel is marvelous and opens new opportunities and perspectives and um, you know if you're one of those people who hasn't left the US yet I encourage you to get your passport and see the world and if you are one of those people that travels abroad frequently I encourage you to get to know your own country better because America is vast we are bigger than the vast majority of other countries in the world and there, there's so much uh, to see and do here and, and people to meet and uh, keep traveling. Thank you, John. We'll end on that. Keep traveling. The message from John Morris. Uh, no matter what your situation is, you can keep traveling. So thank you, John, for being with us on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Thank you, Francisco. It's a pleasure. Again, again, set sail and pull up my anchors. Forget about all of the dangers and just take it in. I wanna make hope, my friend. Shake the dust and start over before some sad son of a bitch told us all good things end. I wanna begin, I wanna begin again. And again and again and again, oh, I wanna begin again 
And again and again and again and again and again I wanna begin again Drop all the pretensions and labels Kiss you under the table like when we were kids I wanna know love won't end We can take it back where we started Before all our friends got divorced And we turned into cynics I wanna begin again And again and again and again Oh, I wanna begin again and again and again and again and again and again left behind me but I'm not gonna let them define me but make me a better man cause I wanna begin again and again and again and again oh, I wanna begin again and again and again and again I just wanna begin again and again and again and again and again I wanna begin